Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. I just looked down the street and I saw two of every animal walking down the street. I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, I'm looking for a big boat somewhere. I mean, wow, I really need some of this rain to stop. Holy cow. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is Tuesday, the Tuesday edition of the broadcast. And that means, well, Anthony says it's angry at numbers day. That's what we are. It's angry at numbers day. Uh, it's the deep dive, the weekly top three. Uh, we're going to be talking with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets here in just a hot second as we dive down into today's topics, which include the uh, the fact that child care is becoming the new hot button issue, the new must have issue. Uh, why is the Dunleavy administration swapping out all the key fiscal players and uh, a weird defense of uh, Representative Will Stapp? Those are going to be the three topics today, plus anything else that comes to mind as we go through here and discuss with Brad Keithley. Then in hour two, we'll have a bit a little, of, uh, a little bit of reflection there at the top of the hour, and then we'll be joined by Chris Story at the bottom of the hour for our weekly betterment section we're gonna feel good about it we're gonna make it's gonna it's this it's the soothing balm to the beatings that will commence in hour one that's all it is we just get a smooth we're gonna smooth out the feathers and pick myself up off the ground man it's gonna be horrible anyway that's gonna be fun and then whatever i feel like in the last segment of the show it's a it's a packed show we got lots of stuff going on so we're going to uh we're gonna get to it uh we've made some changes and we're bringing brad on a little bit earlier so we get a little bit more time with him we don't quite feel so rushed in the weekly top three <clears throat> so uh Let's just get into it, shall we? Let's just get into it. Here we go. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us this morning as we get uh, as we get ready to rock and roll here. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing today? How's life going? Oops, you're 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 muted. Let me see. You're muted on your end. There, there we go. go. There we go. That works better. <laughs> works better when all oh. the buttons are pushed. Yeah. Oh, that button. Oh, that one. Oh, that one. What's How does that work? Uh, good morning, my friend. Uh, how are you doing on this rainy Tuesday? I mean, rainy August, rainy summer. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. Uh, I'm in the lower 40, 48 for a couple of weeks, uh, uh, visiting my mother and uh, going to a few uh, music festivals, and it's not raining here, so I, I, can, I can empathize. But I can't quite. I, I'm I'm not getting out my floaters. Wow! I love you and a 
and I hate you in a love and loving Christian way, I think is what's going on right now. <laughs> that thing called the sun. I haven't seen it in a while, but well, that's good. Well, we appreciate it. We'll hope you uh, travel safe and enjoy some time with your mother and, and, uh, and all the great music and everything. Um, all right, Brad, well, let's, uh, let's dive into this here and get started. There's some real, like I said, all of a sudden the last couple of weeks have been kind of fairly slow on the news side, not a lot happening, except we're seeing this continuing theme uh, coming in from the Dunleavy administration where people are starting to rotate out of different positions. And a lot of them have to do with fiscal policy. And uh, I have questions. <laughs> exactly, what, is exa- what exactly is happening inside the Dunleavy administration? Oh, and I have some comments about, uh, about the Politburo chairman, uh, Bert Stedman. The uh, <laughs> the Politburo that is known as the Senate Finance Committee. Um, I have some questions about his commentary as well, uh, but let's let's get to this discussion of these people who just seem to be flitting. It's either rats sinking from a sinking ship, or I don't know exactly what's going on. Give me your thoughts here. Well, Michael, that's segment two. Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm already ahead of the power curve this morning. Let's talk about childcare to begin with. You're trying to speed me through here. Hey, get, get through it. But let's talk. Okay. You're right. Let's talk about, I'm sorry. That's I'm still, I'm burning up a little bit as you can tell over that, uh, commentary, but, uh, child, I know childcare is the new must have. It is the must see TV Thursday of politics right now. Tell me about childcare. All right. So this last week has been interesting if you're following the press and the editorial pages and, and things like that, childcare and the need for state subsidization of childcare, federal uh, government subsidization, some government subsidization of childcare, it's just sort of just sort of exploded. It's it's tied to uh, a statement by the Alaska Chamber of Commerce, uh, that bastion of private enterprise. And, oh yeah, and, and you know reduce government role. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the Alaska Chamber of Commerce uh, weighing in with a report uh, during a meeting of the during a session of the governor's uh, uh, commission on child care or, the, or the, his task force on child care. And the and the new Alaska Chamber position is, as announced at at the meeting, was the Alaska Chamber encourages the Alaska legislature, governor and congressional delegation to work with the business community to identify fiscally responsible reforms to the child care system. So that sort of that sort of gets the ball rolling and that's picked up both in an ADN uh, article uh, and as well in an Alaska public media uh, article, both of which focus on the Alaska Chamber's call for child care. The news miner, not to be left behind <laughs> or not to be left out of it, does an op-ed, did an op-ed this past week on the subject, the challenge of affordable quality child care in Alaska that includes this, this statement, the news miner certainly knows the state must find workable ways to subsidize, so the news miner, to subsidize child care workers that often struggle to find the means to cover costs for their own families and goes on to talk about how the state should inject uh, additional subsidies into the child care system to support of these childcare workers. Not to be outdone, not to be left behind, Senator Murkowski uh, down in Ketchikan during a Ketchikan visit and a discussion with the Ketchikan Daily News uh, says this, during a visit to the first city earlier this month, Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski talked with the Daily News about the growing recognition 
uh, of the importance of childcare to economic development among constituents and lawmakers alike, and said that there is hunger for actions on both sides of, of the aisle, and goes on to talk about the need for a federal role uh, as well as a state role in uh, in supporting uh, uh, childcare workers. So we 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 had we've had the 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 run up to K twelve the BSA. We need more BSA spending. That's going to hit us when we when we get into the next session. We there was been a session this past week uh, that involved Kathy Giesel and Chuck Kopp, who's the lobbyist for the uh, for the unions, the employees unions, um, you know, pushing defined benefits and, and making presentations on why defined benefits uh, an increase in defined or a return to defined benefits is important uh, uh, for Alaska, you know, resulting in additional costs. We have the never ending push for increased spending uh, at the university. Uh, and now we have, now we're layering on with, with an equal amount of push uh, behind it. You know, the Alaska Chamber lining up behind it, the, the, the business community lining up behind it, an equal amount of push for, um, uh, for, for child care subsidization. Here's, here's an interesting factoid that came out of all this. Uh, in, the, in the chamber presentation to, uh, uh, to the to Governor Dunleavy's child care uh, task force. This is from the chamber. We found that about $152 million are missing from the Alaska economy because of people choosing not to be in the workforce or, or working less. And the Alaska public media defines that as a major takeaway. The state is losing a lot of money annually because of the shortage of child care and referencing this this discussion of $152 million a year missing from the Alaska economy. Okay. You know how much PFD cuts are? I'm just, I'm just I'm, I mean, oh. my head, oh. my head is exploding, just exploding over this. I mean, over the last, over the last five years. Now, now keep in mind this $152 million missing from the Alaska economy, the private sector of the Alaska economy. And keep in mind the Alaska public public media's, characterization of that as a lot of money annually because of the shortage of childcare. PFD cuts per year over the last five years, even with the big year that where we, where we, where the legislature came close to paying the statutory dividend, didn't get there, but came close, even including that year. PFD cuts have been $1.05 billion a year. I was just going to say, you want to help employees, you want to help people who provide child care, you want to help everybody, how about you just give them their full statutory PFD? That'd go a long way to helping those people find child care and those providing it to be able to live and do all those other things. I mean, it's just this... It, this is madness, absolute madness. I mean, what is the, you've got the Chamber of Commerce, ostensibly the free market conservative solution to everything in Alaska. And yet they're going back to the government hat in hand to say, you've got to fix this. After, by the way, they advocated for you, for them to hold back all the PFD money so that their diamond level contributors could make sure they keep getting their filthy government lucre in their coffers, right? I mean, that's what it all comes down to. Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. I mean, it's it's. It, I don't think AP. I don't think that Alaska Public Media has ever described the amount of PFD cuts, the amount that's being taken out of the private sector of the economy, shifted to the government sector of the economy, and redistributed by twenty-one plus eleven plus one. I don't think that the the Alaska Public Media has ever described that as 
as a lot of money. But here we got $152 million. What is that? About an eighth of, of, of what the PFD cut is annually. And all of a sudden that's a lot of money. And all of a sudden the government's got to fix that. The government's got to fix that because, you know, my gosh, we can't, we can't tap the private sector to, 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 you know, come up with $152 million to, to help out, to, to help out childcare. I mean, we can't tap the employers who, you know, are complaining about this and, 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 and want government to solve it. We can't tap them to, to pay for it. The, the other, the other interesting thing in all this is, is no one, not the Alaska, uh, not, not the uh, uh, chamber, not the ADN who runs the story, not the uh, Alaska public media, certainly not the Fairbanks newsbiter who is who is openly advocating for government subsidies uh, and not Senator Murkowski, none of them address who pays for for these these additional funds that that come into the come into the economy. And we know what that means or these additional funds that that, that government needs to, to to subsidize into the private economy. We know what that means. That means it's going to come out of additional PFD cuts. Because nobody's talking about alternative measures to the to the measure that the legislature has relied on for the last what, seven years now. Uh, nobody's talking about alternatives. Nobody's talking about an alternative way of paying for it. So what we're really talking about is taking money out of middle and lower income Alaska families, which you know the the all the reports are. Oh, we're worried about lower and middle income Alaska families because you know they need childcare in order to in order to be able to get in the workforce. What we're really talking about is taking money out of lower and middle income Alaska families and giving it to other, giving it to government. So government can then subsidize specific sectors of, of the economy because the, because the private sector doesn't want to do that. Even though the private sector benefits, even though the private sector would get the and employers and businesses, all these people who don't pay taxes, um, would benefit out of the $152 million of, of additional act, of additional activity that they claim would, would occur, even though they benefit, they don't want to pay for it. They want, they want by, by their silence, they are leaving it up to additional cuts to the PFD to, to, to create this money. So it's, it's, it, it is bad on so many levels. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, 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 that I lose track of it after a while. Yeah, but 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 the dollars involved, the 152 million, when you compare that to the level of PFD cuts, that really brings it home for me. I mean, that really brings home, you know, how 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 the media will pick out these, and how the chamber, how the how the top 20 percent in the business community will pick out these issues that oh, I need a government subsidy for that. I don't want to pay for that. I need a right. government subsidy for that, um, and and I need you know I need additional PFD cuts to pay for that. Uh, all the while, you know, just continuing down the road of taking money out of the very out of the out of the out of the bank accounts of the very people that they claim that they're that they're you know doing this for well and no talk of how we could make child care easier in the state no talk of restrictions reducing government regulation uh pulling back on the bureaucracy of oversight and everything else i mean those are all things they've that's all been cited there have been news media articles here in the last three or four months about the difficulty in becoming a state certified child care worker and the hoops and the loops and everything you have to do, the costs involved and everything else. No wonder nobody wants to participate, but there's no discussion about making it easier, making it more streamlined, making it more efficient for people to do that. Instead, we have to look to government to pull more money out of the private economy to go ahead and fix this. And it's just, 
it's I mean, it is the state of the state right now. We're creating a dependency cycle. And that's the that's the biggest part of this right now. We'll get uh, Brad's, I guess we'll get his final thoughts on this because I just cut him off. So we'll get Brad's final thoughts on this and jump into number two, which is the one that I want to talk about as well. (laughs) Uh, We're going to continue with this. This is the weekly top three, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. What is that? Regularly heard on American radio. Brad, 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 Brad. I mean, this, you know, and none of this even touches on the deeper issues of how fast and how many times the money turns in the economy, you know, a billion dollars every year that's being lost in that, you know, that that could turn five, six, seven times, you know, oh no, we're going to take another 154, 152 billion that is, you know, and, and by the way, Anthony, I think nails it here. Anthony says 152 million isn't being generated by those people who choose to work less or not work and don't take and, t- and instead take care of their kids. It probably costs five times that for those people to hire child care. And that's what the government wants, a bite of the pie. You know, everybody needs to go to work and be good little worker bees and don't choose to take care of your own kids. Maybe you can't afford it. And then Capozzi has the Katie Capozzi from the human or from the, uh, uh, from the chamber. One of the comments in the beacon article says one of the pieces of the study that stood out to Capozzi is even a third of families that make more than a hundred thousand dollars a year annually struggle with childcare. Well, maybe we should talk about some classes on family financial counseling and budgeting if you can't do that with $100,000. I mean, it's it's nutty. It's like they're trying to bridge the gap to say, oh, this is across all medians and all. So what we need to do is go to the altar of government and worship there and allow them to drop us a steaming pile of $152 million to subsidize that. This is madness. This is absolutely insane. I mean, a dependency state, that's where we're at right now. Well, so dependency state, it, 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 you know, sort of the lack of understanding of this is just is just sort of staggering. It's a dependency state, not not funded by all Alaska families, not funded broadly, not tapping into non-residents who, you know, every other of the of the fifty states, forty nine states plus the District of Columbia, tap into non-residents to to provide a part of the revenue to run their to run their state government because non-residents benefit. To a degree from the government, they tap into that revenue source. In Alaska, in Alaska, not only are we saying we need all this dependency, but we need it all financed from this from middle and lower income Alaska families. We need it financed from the very people that that can afford it the least. The, you know, we say that we're doing it for their benefit. We say that you're that we're you know that's why we need dependency. That's why we need government programs to take care of take care of these people. But at the same time, we're taking more money out of their their hides through PFD cuts uh, than the than the services that uh, that are being given back to. So it's it's a it it, it, we've gotten ourselves all tangled up from a fiscal standpoint. We've gotten ourselves all tangled up uh, in the way that we're financing these these things. Sure. You know, the the top the those earning more than one hundred thousand dollars, which are the top 20 percent. Sure. You know, free child care. Oh, that'd be or subsidized child care. That'd be great. Hey, let's do that. They don't have to pay for it. 
It's 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 another free government good to them. And I'm sure that that you know there are people who came to the come to the child care task force meeting, people who come to the come to the uh, 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 chamber meetings, and you know go on and on and on about how this is really for the common good and how this is really you know benefiting Alaska and how this will make Alaska great. Fine, it's going to make Alaska great if it's really benefiting all Alaskans. Let's tap all Alaskans to pay for it. Right. But let's not focus it on on lower and middle income Alaska families like like we've been doing for everything else. And now we evidently propose to do this again for for child care. Uh, I'm going to continue with Anthony's thought because he then went on to say, I mean, without all these finable arbitrary codes and regulations, the dirty pores are going to figure out that they can just watch kids for free amongst their respective communities. And then who's going to pay for all the services? But here's the thing. This is what I'm talking about for a dependency situation. They want to create all these subsidies so that these people then start being dependent on the government to pay for those things. And they create it creates more of a government things that they may have done for free or for cash under the table or for things without all that oversight. They would have done it for I mean, it's going to make them more dependent on that government spend, which begets more government spend in the long run. I mean, that's that's the whole point. This is a growth of government cycle like I don't think I've ever seen in my lifetime. Ten seconds, Brad. We're, we'll well, and lower and middle income Alaska families can't protect themselves because because the money's being taken out by the legislature before, you know, it's being it's being diverted before it gets to those families. And they Absolutely. can't stop the government from doing that. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Brad Keithley, our guest. Continuing now with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. I want to get on to number two, but Brad, just final thoughts on number three. I mean, this really is a dependency cycle that is being paid for by the middle and lower class of Alaskan workers. That's really when it's all said and done. This is a dependent. They want to create it where people may have provided it free or low, you know, cash under the table, pretty cheap or whatever. They want them to become dependent on that government subsidy to do it and create a whole nother level of dependency in the state and again paid for by somebody who's not them right right and 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 zach fields even goes further zach fields has a bill into unionize so to create a union of of child care workers so that they can negotiate as a union with the government for the amount of the subsidy that the that the child care workers would, would then need so it is it's i mean it, everybody's sort of jumping on it for their own personal advantage Zach wants a union out of it because he rep represents unions, uh, is employed by unions, represents unions. Um, you know, uh, other people want it because they people in the top, you know, twenty percent want it because they want another government service that that is free to them. Everybody has has you know an idea about how this all benefits them. But the only people paying for it, if you use PFD cuts, the only people paying for it are middle and lower income Alaska families, the very people that you're claiming. That you're doing this for it's a it, it's a it's a screwed up mess right right all right number two is the revolving door that appears to be the dunleavy administration as i said earlier it's either rats leaving a sinking ship or something else is going on and i'm not quite sure what you've noticed a trend amongst the fiscal players in the governor's administration brad hit me with it so there there are four key players um uh primary players on the administration side 
in terms of fiscal policy. So the, the commissioner of the Department of Revenue, the deputy commissioner of the Department of Revenue, who is, sort of runs the, the ship on a day-to-day -day basis, the director of the tax division of the Department of Revenue, which is you know, responsible for, for administering the programs that bring in revenue, uh, and then the director of the OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, who's really the, the person in, 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 in responsible for corralling things on the cost side. So you got the revenue side with the commissioner of revenue, deputy commissioner, and the, um, uh, the director of tax, and you've got the director of OMB uh, on, the, on the cost side. Since the governor was reelected, uh, well, I can't remember when Crumb got appointed, but, but in, the, in the past year, um, there, the, there's been a complete change now in all four of those positions. Adam Crum came in as, well, it was after the governor got reelected. Adam Crum came in as uh, uh, commissioner of revenue, the new commissioner of revenue. Shortly after that, uh, or sometime after that, the deputy commissioner of revenue, uh, uh, Brian Fector, uh, was pushed out. Uh, who and Brian's now gone to the state of Washington to be the bu budget director for uh, for the governor in the state of Washington. Uh, was pushed out by by the administration. Then the director of tax, uh, Colleen Glover, was was pushed out. Um, uh, no one, no one's claiming this was their you know choice that that they were rats leaving a sinking ship. They were pushed out. Uh, Colleen was was pushed out, and she's not been. Uh, replaced yet? That role's not been replaced. They're still an acting director of, uh, of the Department of Tax. And now, uh, la late last week, we've, uh, the uh, uh, there was there was a rumor going around that ultimately got confirmed by the Alaska Landmine, and then an article that confirmed it in Must Read Alaska that the director of OMB, uh, Neil Steiniger, has been had been has been pushed out by the administration. Again, no claim that it was you know, his own volition, that it was rats leaving a sinking ship, it was, he was pushed out. Um, and, and so all four of the positions, all four of the key positions uh, from a fiscal standpoint are changing. And three of them, the, the, the you know, where the boots hit the ground, uh, the, the deputy director of, or the deputy commissioner, the director of the division of tax and the director of OMB, three of them have been pushed out involuntarily. Now, the, the Dunleavy administration has announced a replacement for, or has do ha, does have a replacement for Deputy Commissioner of Revenue. They did announce uh, yesterday a replacement for the Director of OMB. Um, so they're they're filling these slots. The Director of Tax is still not filled, but they're filling these slots. But but why are they why are they replacing these people? Brian had been in the administration in various roles since really the beginning of the Dunleavy administration. Um, uh, Colleen had been there since the very beginning. She was the director of tax that Governor Dunleavy appointed when he was first elected. Uh, Neil had been there since uh, Donna had departed after the first year of the Dunleavy administration. So had been there for the last three of the first year of the of the of the first administration and had continued on into the into the second administration. It, 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 there's just something. There's something curious about about what's going on here and what and what it means to fiscal policy. This comes at a at a particularly important. I mean, we're in the fall here, right? So, the the Dunleavy administration is getting its proposals together for the coming budget, and the Dunleavy administration is getting its proposals together on the revenue side. And this is a particularly important session we're coming up on. Uh, we, we are clearly running deficits, even with higher oil prices, as you and I discussed in the previous show, 
even with higher oil prices, we're still running huge deficits uh, uh, over the next decade, and both in the current year and and over the next decade against against the statutory obligations of the state. Huge deficits. That's even before you layer on K through 12, defined benefits, more for the university, childcare. That's even before you layer on additional spending. We're running huge deficits. The governor has clearly indicated that he's not going to cut spent that he's not going to cut spending back to traditional levels. He's had several sessions in which he could do that. He's not done it. Last year, he finally faced up to the to the deficits and said, "Well, we're going to have to talk about sales taxes. We're going to have to talk about you know a, a fiscal plan and 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 getting this all under control." But sales, but he never he never came out with the sales tax bill, sort of leaving Ben Carpenter dangling in the wind, who had come out with the sales tax bill on the House side. Never came out with the sales tax bill. And never, and then has has said he's not going to have the fiscal session, the special session this fall that he'd originally said he was going to have last spring. So, you know, we're come, we're crashing into this next session with deficits galore, with with people pushing for increased spending, with no fiscal plan, and for the and and the governor's going to have to address that in the budget. I mean, he's going to have to come up with a plan that says this is how we're going to work our way out of this set. Because the other thing that's happened in the meantime is we've drained the earnings reserve through the eight billion dollars that that that's Bert that Bert's moved back into the corpus. We've drained uh, we've drained the earnings we've drained the earnings earnings reserve. So that's not really a backup anymore. The governor's going to have to come to this session and have a and have a fiscal plan that's going to have to include revenues. It's going to have to include some discussion of revenues, whether whether it's making permanent PFD cuts and using that as the revenue source to balance the budget or alternative, lower impact, more equitable revenue sources. He's going to have to come with revenues. And and in the in the part of the year when all of this needs to be coming together, when the plans need to be forming, he's changing out the entire team. <laughs> he's changed out the deputy director. He's changed out the 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 director of the division of tax and now he's changed out the the OMB director and it's and it's just not clear what the heck's going on there's a lot of i think there's a lot of confusion both inside the administration from from what i can gather as well as certainly on the outside about what the governor's up to critical time critical time to have a solid seasoned experienced balanced team together to be putting together you know a response to where we're headed a plan for for where we should be headed in response to response to these deficits that just you know go on ad infinitum. Um, clearly, a critical time, and we're and we're changing out the team. So it's a, it's it's a lot of concern on 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 my part, and I think on the part of others who are concerned about uh, about the state's fiscal situation. No, I mean it is very very concerning because we don't have a plan, and the players that uh, seem to have been part of the older guard that may have had. Um, kind of that more, let's find streamlines, let's find some cuts, let's do some things. They've all been let go. Uh, it's intimated in the uh, article in the Juno Empire that potentially this is all a setup to maybe find a cushy job in a potential Trump administration. I don't know if it's a, uh, if it's a way to, you know, shine himself up for the, uh, but it, it's ironic that <clears throat> the Republican Party, Supposedly, the the party of smaller, more responsible government that somehow by creating more government spending, that's going to endear him to 
That I mean, it's it, but that's again, that's where we are in Alaska. You've got a split and divided party. The powers that be in the party are all about more government spend and subsidies and all this other stuff. And the other half is still wanting to have cuts, and and he seems to be leaning more in the other way of the old guard. Yeah, it's it's not clear, Michael, what way he's leaning in. I mean, Lacey Sanders, who's who he's announced as the replacer to Ste- as the replacement to Steiniger, is is a good bureaucrat as she's been her entire career. She's worked as a budget analyst, either on, on the part of various administrations in various uh, departments, uh, or she's worked with uh, uh, ledge finance over on the legislative side uh, career, but she's had her entire career has been in administering budgets, uh, looking after budgets, explaining budgets, uh, uh, building budgets, uh, uh, it's it's not been in it's not been in you know cutting costs or or bringing programs under control or or doing things uh, doing things of that nature. So you've got you you brought in another person who's good at you know adding up numbers and, and making nice charts and and presenting them in front of uh, in front of committees. But you're not you've not brought in a person who has a history of of bringing things under control. So it's it's it it, it, it that, it's not clear what that message sent, right? But but it's but it's 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 confusion. I mean, so let's go back to Brian Fector. Brian Fector was was the person who was respond who was in OMB and responsible for writing a number of the government's fiscal plans uh, in the first part of the administration. Right. The second the second year of the administration, he wrote what I think is the best ten year plan, the best ten year outlook, the best fiscal plan that this state's ever had. And it talked about the all of the above that we were going to have to do some cuts, we were going to have to do some PFD restructuring, and we were going to have to do some revenues uh, to to help uh, to help deal with uh, government spending and talk about and talked about broad based revenues. And he's and he's consistently had that voice through the administration. Well, he's gone. <laughs> Colleen Glover, who who stood up to oil companies, knew the oil industry from her time uh, in private industry before she came in as director of tax. Stood up to the industry, told the industry at times that no, you weren't going to be able to get away with that interpretation of the statute that let you that let you go short on your taxes. Uh, audited was responsible for auditing the the, the companies. Had uh, was known in, internally as pressing for additional uh, uh, looks at taxation, uh, additional looks at revenue, uh, pressing the oil companies further. She's gone. Neil Steiniger, who, who you know, was was not the was not the most assertive of the of of the three, but Neil Steiniger, who had a reputation for looking at the budget and you know trying to find efficiencies and that sort of stuff, uh, sort of following on to what Donna had done, he's gone, and and it's just I we're we're not the the Dunleavy administration is not it, it's like you take the pilots out of the plane right as as you're approaching turbulence as you're approaching you know. What what all this training has been for, what all of this preparation has been for, what all of this thought has been for, as you're approaching the the final turbulence, finally getting coming to a reckoning with all this, you take all the pilots out of the plane and you, and you put new people new people in the cockpit. They may be they may be a, a capable pilots, but it's they don't have the experience, the build up, the 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 advocacy, the understanding of where the, of what the state's fiscal situation is. Uh, that we that we had with the the people that were in place. So it's 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 sending a very confusing mes- message and a very concerning message as we approach what I think is going to be a very critical session about uh, 
about the state's uh, look forward. And we see the writing and disdain that uh, the Juno Empire and other people, uh, other news media outlets have had for anybody that may have been of the ilk of, uh, you know, kind of the uh, efficiency, the cut. Uh, they uh, said uh, in their article talking about Steiniger's departure, saying Steiniger was appointed as OMB director in January of 2020 to replace Donna Arduin, a nationally prominent slash and burn budget cutter. I mean, it's just like you could see the theme here. The theme is how dare it's always upward. It's always upward pressure, upward pressure on the budget uh, from every angle. Everything we're talking about today is always about more upward pressure on the on the on the uh, budget. One minute. Upward pressure on the spending side, yep. but no response on the on the revenue side, other than to continue to cut PFDs, other than to continue to take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. Yeah, horribly, horribly, horribly mis misbalanced uh, approach, fiscal approach. It seems to me, just looking in at it, that maybe there those people served as maybe a speed bump, maybe the voice of reason on finding ways and maybe asking questions like who pays. And maybe they've been replaced by people who are more just, I'll show you the numbers. Maybe they've been replaced by people who are more, I'll just put together a flow chart for you. And there you go. Uh, instead of people who may have said, wait, this might not be right. Who pays? Maybe that's what's going on there. I, I, I don't know. Okay, quick tease, number three, 20 seconds. Give it to me. Uh, number three is uh, a, a Twitter conversation that I had uh, related to Representative Will Stapp. Uh, it wasn't with Re Representative Stapp, but it was somebody who was defending him. And it was a very strange defense. It was. Will Stapp's position. Yeah, it was. We'll talk about that here in a second. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thing and radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. This article is just, uh, I mean, I just don't even know what to say. Then they go on to quote, the chairman, uh, 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 Bert Stedman, and talking about you know, getting his opinion. Boy, everybody apparently has Stedman on speed dial these days. He's being quoted everywhere. It's like, you know, it's just so crazy. But uh, he comes in and asks him how his departure uh, would, uh, you know, how his how Steininger's departure would uh, uh, would affect the budget process during the next year. And he, and he goes on to say, uh, that, you know, well, the governor has three years left in his gubernatorial run. And he goes, I highly suggest you get a competent OMB director. Donna Arduin isn't one. And I'm just like, wait, she's a nationally recognized budget. Now, she may be a budget hawk, but she's a nationally recognized. You. Oh, my God. You can't even I just can't even anybody who suggests that we should cut into the size and scope of government apparently is immediately needs to be scraped off the bottom of your shoe like yesterday's dog poo. That's what it appears to be from that that point of view. Well, people go get Bert's opinion because, you know, Dunleavy effectively has abdicated uh, responsibility for uh, the fiscal portion of Alaska government to Bert. I mean, that's that's really what's happened. It's true. 
I mean, he's uh, hiding in the mansion. Even now, he's hiding in the mansion. No comments, no press conferences, no discussions, no explanations on the vetoes, no, none of that stuff. He is radio freak. This is year one of a four-year term, radio silent so far. Yeah, and, and you know, he, he proposes a budget. He proposed a budget last year that had a full PFD. He proposed a budget the year before that had a 50-50 PFD. And, and, and he doesn't back it up. I mean, he sort of lays it out there. And then Bert essentially starts the first Senate Finance Committee meeting by saying, well, we're just going to set that aside and we're going to we're going to build our own budget here. Um, and and the and the administration doesn't defend its budget. I mean, they send Neil in to sort of get eviscerated or they did send Neil in. Now they're going to send Lacey in to sort of get eviscerated at the first meeting as 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 Stedman says, we're not going to pay attention to your budget. We're going to build our own. Uh, the House doesn't have any say. I mean, basically using the tricks that uh, uh, that Ben talked, Ben Carpenter talked about last week in his segment last week on the show, your interview with him last week. Uh, the House gets you know ridden out of the equation, and 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 the governor doesn't push back when it comes veto time. I mean, he doesn't veto. He doesn't say we're gonna have we're gonna have a full PFD or we're at least gonna have a POMB fifty fifty PFD in this budget or we're not finished with the budget and I'm going to I'm going to send it back to you until we have that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't push back on 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 the budget that gets sent to him by the by the Senate who has run roughshod over the house. So basically basically Burt is the is is the fiscal governor. I mean, he he's right. running the show on the fiscal side. So, yeah, the press goes and asks him because because he's the one that's running the show. Uh, on the fiscal side, he decides he decides we're going to stash eight billion dollars. Uh, we're going to call it prepayment, but then we're not going to treat it as prepayment. We're going to stash eight billion dollars from the earnings reserve into the into the corpus, create a crisis in the in the earnings reserve, uh, or at least we're going to say we're going to create a crisis in the earnings reserve. Stash eight billion dollars back, and the Denley administration doesn't veto the first four; they buy off on the prepayment. And the second four, they tried to veto, but failed because they, they didn't cross out the right line. Um, and so Bert gets away with that. It's it, and, and, and the people who would the people who have been thinking about a more responsible approach on the administration side, the people have been putting together more responsible plans on the administration side. Brian Fector, Colleen Glover, Neil Steininger, they're all gone. So I. Yeah, it, it's just it's 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 very difficult to figure out what the heck the administration is doing other than nothing. They're just going to not they're just not going to do anything. They're going to come up with budgets. They're going to put pieces of paper on the on the table. Let the let Senate finance, you know, throw those throw those in the trash can uh, and then and then build their own and then not veto it, not not try to defend their position and let and let uh, Senate finance veto it and just let keep on going. Yeah. It's uh, <clears throat> it's amazing to watch. I mean, this is like a slow-moving, slow-motion train wreck. I mean, really. And you can't look away. You're watching it happen. <laughs> you can see it. And you're just wondering how many of these people who are pushing for this kind of stuff have got the golden parachute, you know, where they're ready to retire and they pull the ripcord and they don't matter because they're going to leave or it's just not going to affect them because they're in that top 20, 10, 5% of income earners. And it doesn't matter to them as long as everything's taken care of and they have some kind of legacy, they pull the ripcord and they leave. It's, uh, 
It's as long as they don't have to pay for it. As long as they don't have to pay <laughs> as, for it. As long as they can find somebody else to pay for it. That's the thing. I mean, and, and, and here we are sitting at this whole point. All right, uh, Brad, we are coming up on the break here, uh, jumping back in. Final one, number three. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Brad needs a whole bunch of random flow charts and pie charts behind him to show his big brainness on the back wall there behind him. Nah, he's fine. It's, it's all good. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Yep. All right. The weekly top three continues. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Wow, I need something for my blood pressure already this morning. Number three, a weird conversation about Representative Will Stapp, who um, has taken a stand on some things this last session, um, but not uh, everything, and has made some kind of odd moves at one point or another. But you got into a conversation in regards to Will Stapp that you said is just plain strange, weird. Uh, so give us give us a rundown here. It is. So I, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of Will Stapps. I, I represent Stapp. I think he's I think he's part of the part of the problem, not part of the solution. Um, uh, particularly uh, the latest example was the move in House finance uh, toward the end of the session when he took Ben Carpenter's uh, spending cap bill and, and, and put an amendment into it. Uh, that essentially blew up the uh, the spending cap by another billion dollars by putting the PFD underneath the spending cap as right. opposed to outside the spending cap. Not a big fan of, of Will Stapps. I'll I'll be honest. Um, and and I do these posts on Twitter and elsewhere that that occasionally get reactions. This is one I did uh, last week. I said Representative Will Stapp and some others in the Alaska House Majority push PFD cuts because they because they claim to be no taxers. Uh, who prioritize the Alaska economy? That is, they say that that the PFD cuts are 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 okay as long as we don't have a tax because that's best for the Alaska economy. But PF, but my response was, but PFD cuts are taxes, and they have, according to ICER studies, the largest adverse impact on the Alaska economy. So why do they support PFD cuts? Why does Representative Staff and others support uh, PFD cuts? Because they they prioritize the top twenty percent. They want to make sure the top 20% doesn't pay taxes, that only the, the lower and middle income Alaska families pay taxes. And then I got this response, and it's by a Twitter, uh, Twitter handle, a Twitter person that goes by the title of Steamboat Landing. So you can't figure out who it is. Twitter's full of people who use, uh, who use covers for uh, what they say. But the response is, hi, the, this is the response, hi, Representative Stapps, district is overwhelmingly military. He is looking out for military families, most of whom are not eligible for the PFD, but would have to pay taxes if imposed. He has more E1s, enlisted ones, in his district than 1%. He reflects his district. You can't hate on him for that. So basically what this, what this person is arguing, what Steamboat Landing is arguing, is that, is that Representative Staff's position is justified because his district is mostly non-residents, non-people who don't qualify for the PFD, uh, military, and, and he's looking out for them to make sure they don't pay taxes. 
Well, the thing that's really bizarre about this is he's looking out for E1s. He's looking out for people who earn on average around $25,000 and making sure they don't pay taxes. The way that, that he's making sure they don't pay taxes is by using PFD cuts instead. So Alaska residents who would otherwise get PFDs but are, but are seeing their PFDs cut in order to pay for government so that the precious E1s don't, don't get taxed. Alaska residents who earn 25% are seeing a tax rate, an effective tax rate through PFD cuts of 7% of 7 and above, depending upon you know, the size of their family and depending upon exactly where their, where their income uh, falls in that income bracket. But the same income bracket that covers an E1 at 25,000 takes that for, for a resident, about 7% of their, of their income is being taken uh, through PFD cuts. So represent, what, what this defense is saying, it's okay, Representative Stapp's position is okay because he's looking out for these non-residents to make sure they don't get taxed by taxing equivalent Alaska families, Alaska families with equivalent incomes heavily, 7% and above, taxing them heavily to pay for government costs so the E1s don't get taxed. We, we see this, we see this position elsewhere. I mean, we see people say, well, we don't want to tax, you know, people who come in during the summer uh, and work, uh, uh, work uh, uh, as, as transient workers uh, in the tourist industry. We don't want to tax those, tax those people who work in fish plants out West uh, who are brought up in the summer to, to work in the fish plants. We, we don't want to tax them because, you know, then employers would have to pay them more uh, to, to a little bit more in order to cover the, the, the tax burden they would have to pay. And we certainly don't want to impose that burden. So you're, what you're doing is letting non-residents, whether they are fish workers or they are people who come up and work in the tourist season or pe people in the military, you're letting them off the hook entirely. No other state does that. You're letting them off the hook entirely by, by pushing even more of the burden onto middle and lower Alaska family, uh, resident middle and lower Alaska family residents. You're using middle and lower income Alaska, Alaska residents to subsidize non-residents by not charging them for the, the cost of government while you're overcharging uh, middle and lower income Alaska families. It's just a very, it's a very strange defense. And if this is in fact, if this is in fact the motivation behind Representative Stapp's position, if this if this defense is in fact what he's thinking. I'm going to look out for the EWAS, E1s. I'm going to make sure they're not taxed at even if even at the expense of middle and lower income Alaska families, residents here. We're going to charge them more so, right. we, so we don't have to charge the non-residents. If that is in fact uh, Representative Stapp's uh, position and, and his motivation, We've got him on house finance. We've got him making policy. That that may be okay, may be okay for a representative of that district, but we've got him on house finance, making policy for all of the state, prioritizing non-residents over residents, penalizing residents in order to subsidize non-residents. It's just a very, it's a very bizarre defense. Look, I'm not after the military. I'm not after E1s. I'm not saying that, you know, that we ought to tax them more. I'm just saying they ought, like it happens in every other state in the District of Columbia, they ought to at least contribute some 
right. to the costs of Alaska. Because in every other state, if you're in the military, you pay whatever the resident or the the the, the taxes in the local areas, whether it's a sales tax or an income tax or whatever it is, you pay those things. It doesn't exempt you from it. And to have somebody else who is a local resident have to pay a disproportionate share or carry the full load, as in the case is what uh, this person just said in defense of STAP, is insanity. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I mean, it 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 may have made it may have made sense. At least it was hidden back in the early twenty teens when we were using savings to 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 pay for the deficits. So yeah, you could say that current Alaska residents were getting a free ride because they weren't paying taxes. And so non-residents, it was okay for them to get a free ride too. But in 2017, when we kicked over and started taxing middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts, that argument no longer made sense. If we're gonna start taxing middle and lower income Alaska families, we need to tax non-residents as well. Well, Brad, I appreciate you coming in. Thanks for calling it out, calling it like you see it. I think uh, these are things we need to be thinking about, and we can see the trend and the trajectory right now to this dependency state, and it's very concerning for me for the future. And uh, extrapolating this out, it's going to be a very, very difficult time. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, thank you so much for coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more coming up. Our two dead ahead. Chris Story and more. The Michael Duke Show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I <laughs> didn't mean to just snort, but. <laughs> oh, Randy, Randy, Randy. Every other state cuts their PFD down to zero. Alaska's the only state that doesn't cut their PFD down to zero. Randy, we're the only state with a PFD. And the. Oh, my God. And this is part of the problem, Brad. People just don't understand the mechanisms of this government. They don't understand the funding mechanisms. They don't understand how everything works. And so they just arbitrarily are like, oh, yes, no, no taxes. We don't need that. That's bad. Not understanding what they're losing in the long run. I mean, it does. Does Randy, do you think Randy really understands what happens when his PFD is cut? It's not what it what it's doing is 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 going over as a tax avoidance dividend to benefit the top 20% so they don't have to pay taxes. So they don't have to, they don't have any burden from from increasing the cost of government. They don't have any disincentive to increase the cost of government because they keep shoving it down to middle and lower income Alaska families. What Randy's, what, what the PFD cut that Randy and every other middle and lower income Alaska family is suffering, what the PFD cut is doing, it's going to indemnify, going to shield the top 20% from having to pay any taxes. And, 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 and they love people like Randy saying, oh yeah, well, I don't want it. I, mean, I don't think I'm entitled to it. And they're saying, well, we'll take it. We'll, we'll take the advantage of it. We'll use it to, to, avoid, uh, to avoid taxes on us. Thank you very much. We'll keep that money in our bank account. Um, it's, I, I, don't think they, I don't think they truly understand. I truly don't think they understand the, the, the economic effect of what's going on with PFD cuts. Well, and I think that's obvious from a previous comment. He said, please don't zero in on me with a state income tax. I'm in the bottom 80% and work out the elements of my private sector blue job. I want to keep as much of my hard-earned wages as I can. Well, if it was a flat income tax and you're in the lower 80%, you'd make much more with a full PFD than you would in any kind of tax at the lower 80 percentile. I mean, you know, 
It's obvious that people just don't understand the mechanisms of what's going on here. Yeah. Well, it's uh, and and the top twenty percent takes advantage of that. I mean, they'll take they'll take Randy and other and others who make similar statements and run with it and say, well, they don't want the PFD, or they think it's fair that their PFD is cut, or they think it's fair that 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 they don't get a share of Alaska wealth. Fine, we'll take it for our benefit. We'll use it as a shield to protect us from having to pay for the increased cost of government. We'll we'll use it as a as an indemnity. We'll we'll use that money to pay our share of government costs and so we'll get we'll get the benefits of free government while uh while middle and lower income alaska families pay for it. it's 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 it, it is yeah it's part of what we deal with here here in alaska i mean it's the the economics are are not obvious <coughs> uh and, until you think about them but the economics are not obvious and so the top 20 percent continue to take advantage of that yeah i mean that that's that's where you get statements like don't tax me to pay your pfd we aren't taxing you to pay our PFD. The PFD comes from permanent fund earnings. Thank you very much. It's fully funded, we would, right? Fully funded. What, what, <coughs> what we would be taxing you for is to pay your share of government spending. Yeah. Just like on, with a broad-based tax, we'd be taxing non-residents to pay their share and taxing others to pay their share as well. We're taxing you to pay your share of government spending. What you want, when you tell me, <clears throat> don't tax me. What you want is you want continued free government, no matter how much they're spending. And you want it paid for by taking money out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. You want free government. Right. You and the top 20% want free government, regardless of how much spending there is. You want free government and you're perfectly willing to take the money out of the Randys and the others in the in middle and lower income Alaska families to pay for it. Thank you very much. And, that, and that's just not... That's not equitable, and it has the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy. The big thing that bothers me is uh, is this trend in all of the things we just talked about today, this trend that's becoming very obvious that it is a dependency cycle, and that cycle is increasing. That every problem, the solution is obviously government. The solution is obviously more government money, which in turn, it's that self-reinforcing thing. It's it's That's where we're at in the state. We're going to be dependent completely on the state in the future if we continue this trend. There will be no industry. The private industry will not be important. Nothing else. It, it's it's, it's, it's going to be horrific. A uh, minute and, and a half here. And, and there isn't a break on it, Michael. I mean, the break is that the lobbyists are pushing at the top 20%. The donor class are pushing you know, increased government spending. Oh, I need childcare state. You need to pay for that. I mean, it, it's every, they're, the top 20% continues to push for more and more government because they don't have to pay for it. Hammond recognized that decades ago. Hammond said, if you're going to cut the PFD, keep the income tax. Not that, not that I want you to have an income tax, but it's a sort of Damocles hanging over the top 20%. So they will push back on spending. So they will know that if, if spending increases beyond traditional revenues, they're gonna to have to pay a share of it and it will hang there like the sort of Damocles and they will push back on spending. Well, the legislature for whatever reason chose not to do that, chose not to have the income tax as a contingent as a contingency sitting out there. So when, when push came to shove in the middle 20, 20 teens, the top 20% said, take it out of the PFD, take it out of Randy's pocket, take it out of Michael's pocket, take it out of, you know, everybody listening to this program likely take it out of all of their pockets 
just don't top 20% say, just don't take it out of mind. Oh, and by the way, increase government for me, would you, you know, let's have defined benefits because I want to, you know, I want to have a, a better pension program. Let's have increased K through 12 spending. Let's have, you know, childcare for me, increased spending. And I'm not going to stop it because I don't have to pay. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budgets. Brad, thanks so much. I appreciate it, my friend. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. It's always irritating and enlightening all at the same time. Brad's just out here to help us raise our blood pressure, keep us healthy. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you. We'll talk to you again next week. Uh, All right, folks, we are out of time. we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio, Hour 2 right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Hour two of the big radio broadcast here, the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And of course, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio only live stream, uh, the uh, links to our social media sites, links to, of course, the podcast, which uh, appears more and more people are listening to the podcast so they don't have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to uh, listen to the show, which is great, and we appreciate you doing that. Um, Always good to have more people involved in the conversation. Hour 2 of this beautiful Tuesday, we just finished up with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budget. Is it clearing up a little bit? It might actually, the clouds might actually be, it's been raining for days down here in the south central area, and it might actually be... Well, we'll see. I don't. I hate to. I hate to. Uh, I hate to break the. Uh, <clears throat> you know, jinx it, so to speak. Uh, but here we are, getting ready to it uh, with Tuesday. Just finishing up with Brad Keithley. Three big topics today, which all point to one thing, which I'm going to get to here in just a second. Uh, we are going to. Uh, we are going to be part uh, to join. We're, we're going to be joining Chris Story here in a few minutes. <laughs> Wow, I talk for a living. We're going to be talking with Chris Story here in just a few minutes, our weekly uh, uplift. Uh, He is our PMA guru, our betterment coach. Uh, He is uh, a guy with a lot of talents, and he comes on every week. I've purposely scheduled him to be after Brad Keithley to try and kind of soothe the savage beasts uh, on, uh, you know, to kind of to bring us some more lighthearted, thought provoking in, you know, um, you know, introspective stuff. Today, his topic is going to be a guaranteed success plan. He has one for you. He's got a guaranteed plan for success. 
which is available for only $99.95. Uh, no, <clears throat> he's going to be giving it to us for free here in just a few minutes. So we're going to be joined by Chris Story in the next segment to kind of give us that uh, to give us that uplift and to lay out that guaranteed success program, uh, success plan that he has for us. I'd like to reflect uh, here for just a minute. I would like to reflect um, on the things that Brad just said and to issue, um, I guess, a bit of a warning or what I see kind of my takeaway from everything that Brad just talked about. For those of you who are just joining us, Brad talked about a couple different things. He talked about how there is a new concerted push by many different entities, including ones that ostensibly are the more conservative, take care, you know, free market kind of people like the Alaska Chamber of Commerce and others who are now the toxic takeaway. Jeannie just said, this is the toxic takeaway. Maybe, I don't know, but different entities who are now pushing more and more for this idea that subsidized uh, childcare is going to be the next big thing in Alaska government. That without childized, uh, without childized, without subsidized childcare, um, that we are doomed, 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 that the economy just can't grow, that things just can't happen, which, again, the irony of that, that they actually care about the economy. The only economy that they care about is the public economy, hence the reason why they're calling for subsidies for child care. They want to expand the public economy. They really don't care what happens in the private economy because it, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, this is the same. And, and, and while I appreciate the chambers of commerce around the state, I don't want us to be seen is bashing them, that the idea behind them is great and everything else. But what has happened is they've started to cater more toward their, the diamond level members, right? The big businesses that are spending tens of thousands of dollars a year to become the big kahuna memberships of these various chambers of commerce, many of whom, again, who are dependent on government largesse for their business plans. So these same organizations that are ostensibly free market and all about the business community and everything else have advocated for things like cutting the PFD, taking people from taking money from people who would then spend it in the economy and ostensibly would flow into their businesses at some point. But again, many of these are service companies and telecoms and things like that that are vastly dependent on government spend to uh, to keep their books in the red and to do those kind of things. So I guess it shouldn't be a surprise that we see things like this from, you know, people like the Chambers of Commerce uh, across the state. Remember the letters that went out, uh, I guess, maybe a year ago uh, or during the session where they were talking about, you know, cut the PFD, don't pay a full PFD, you know, use that money for government because <clears throat> you are our overlords are much smarter than the average person and can do that. But he, again, here's the problem. The, the problem, whether it's the, the first part we were talking about how child care is important, and then we talked about how the governor's uh, administration, some of the key players in the fiscal plan, the players that, who may have stood up or squawked or made, uh, you know, maybe brought up uncomfortable questions about who pays for all these great big budget ideas. They've all been kicked to the curb forcibly. None of them left of their own free will, kickably, uh, forcibly kicked to the curb. And so now there's nobody there to kind of stand in the gap. 
Uh, and then again, this defense from Will Stapp about why he's doing things like cutting the PFD. It's it's to protect the E1s in the military and the non-residents and make the residents who who have a similar income to, in his case, he was using E1s as an example, having to pay minimum of 7% of their incomes to subsidize the fact that the E1s are here and this kind of stuff. This, all, all of that wraps back to one thing. All of these things that we've talked about, and in fact, many of the things that we talk about uh, over the last couple of years especially, is pointed to one thing, and that is a growing and increasing dependence on government. That every, you know, that every, and this quite honestly uh, is one of my pet peeves because it, it's about, this is what happens when you have uh, your children going to government schools, going to the public school system and being part of a cog in the machine and everything else. One of the things that they always seem to come out with, one of the things that many of them that I've heard out of the mouths of many a high school graduate or college uh, a student is that, well, the answer to whatever the problem is, is always government. I mean, the always government is the solution to any problem. The problem is, is that, uh, you know, the government, just by its very nature, doesn't make it evil. I don't want anybody to say, well, it's because it's evil. It's just, it's, you don't, you know, it's the frog and the scorpion, right? <laughs> it's the frog and the scorpion, and the scorpion wants to ride, and the frog is swimming him across, and he stings him, and he says, why did you sting me? Because it's my nature. That's just what it is. It is government's nature to grow, to expand, to grab onto more monies, to justify their positions. It is just the nature of government. And we have fallen into that classic trap. We have fallen into where the government is the solution to every problem. The problem is, is that eventually that's all that will remain. If you don't care about the private economy, if it is completely and totally disconnected from government, from the revenue mechanisms of government, there is no linkage between what happens in the private economy and how much money government makes, then they just don't care. And what eventually will happen is the only businesses, the only free market, quote unquote, that will survive will be the free market that supports government. The free market that provides the goods and services to support this massive government. And again, go back, listen to the shows on the Tuesdays, the last four or five Tuesdays, and listen to Brad. Look at the projections. Look at what's going on with the deficit spend. Look at what Mike Schauer and I were talking about last week, where there is a simple baked-in increase in government every year. Outside of any spending or what anybody wants to do, whether it's the chief of the Politburo, you know, Stedman, or whether it's Dunleavy or whatever, regardless of what anybody wants to do, the cost of government is going to increase by $100, $125 million every year just from the baked-in increases. $125 million, that's not much. What's $125 million in five years? What's $125 million in 10 years? It's, I mean, we're into the billions of dollars, folks. 
that and that it means that means if they spend absolutely nothing more than what they're spending right now. But you know that's not true. You know that's not going to happen. The track record's always there, as you've talked about. Now they want defined benefits to be back. Now they want subsidized health care. Now they want to forward fund and they want to increase the BSA. Now they want to do this and now they want to do that. It's always and growing more dependencies for different situations. They don't want to take anybody off Medicaid. Uh, They don't want to take anybody off any of these other benefits. I mean, we've got a third of the state has been on Medicaid. 275 1,000 people out of 730 or 740, whatever it is, have been on Medicaid. Are you telling me that this is not a dependency state? Are you telling me that it's not growing in that direction? And is there any way to stop it? The same people who were like, well, don't don't tax me to pay the PFD. I don't I don't need that thing. It'll be fine. It'll be what happens when they run out of PFD money? Because, again, in five years, with nothing else being spent. You're at what, almost seven hundred million dollars in increases in five years with no additional monies being increased. How long do you think the PFD is going to last? And once it's gone, where else are they going to turn? There are no more free pots of money left. We are creating a dependency state. We are creating a state where the solution to every problem is government and we're refusing to look. Again, this child care thing, nobody's talking about reducing the, the restrictions or the regulations or streamlining it or making it easy or doing anything else. What do they want to do? Well, we need to find some government money to give these people. That's what we need to do to make them more dependent on us. Then they have to do what we say. Then if we change regulations, they have to do what we, it. It's control, folks. That's what it's about. It's control. Out of time. Chris Story's up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're going to get you that guaranteed success plan up next. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I mean, um, right? Am I right? Am I, am I, am I, am I, are you feeling me, dog? Can you hear what I'm saying? This is a problem. Okay. Um, let me get my stuff set up. I should have set this up earlier, but I didn't because, well, reasons. Let me get, uh, let me get Chris Story on the line here and we'll, for the love of Pete. There we go. Um, okay. All right. That's working. Let me get Chris on the phone here. Here we go. Hello. Good morning. Hello. 
How are you, my friend? For the love of Pete. Who's Pete? I don't know, but I love him. Uh, I love Pete and him. repeat. Pete and repeat. Um, how are you, my friend? How, how's it going? My country cousins, Pete and repeat. Doing great. Doing great. Just me and Thank Cooter. Thank you for having me back. Just me and Cooter. <laughs> Cooter says hey. <laughs> Make sure you stop by and say Cooter say Cooter say hey. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's guaranteed. Guarantee, I guarantee it. Guaranteed success plan, my friend. You've got one for me. Yes. For only, of course. They do. For, of course. For you only, think I would throw it out there and not have one? I know, but it's all for the low, low price of ninety nine ninety five. Really? I mean, you're asking yes. for my credit card number on the text message. What is? Yeah. What's that? And, and what's that don't about? Forget the, the three digits on the back of the card. You never remember to send those. I know. I know. So I've got to. What's that about? I just I've got to know. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm sorry I missed your email last week. I and then I tried to call you and I embarrassed you for not showing up, but it was really my fault. <laughs> Although we shamed me. I shamed you for not showing up, but it was really my fault. But we'll just pretend that it wasn't. We'll pretend it was your fault. How was last week? Oh. It was great, great. Just a great week in Seward. We spend a week there every year. And um, and so one guaranteed success plan for catching fish is to wait until the week after I've come and gone. And then you will catch the fish. Not the week I'm there. There's no fish to be had. But the yeah. week after is guaranteed to be a good, good week. So I should always Seward. plan my fishing trip to Seward. To make, I should call you and coordinate to make sure it's the week yeah. after you're there. Exactly. To the day. Well, it's good because I want to make sure you're not there anyway. But that's just a little—that's just a little bonus. <laughs> hey, right there. we're too—we're too much man for one town. That's right, too much. The Earth might spin off its axis if we were at the same location. I mean, it's really too much man or too much mouth. Too well. <laughs> wait, is there a difference? Um, all right, uh, I'll be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to put you on hold because poof, I've got the power. I've got the power to put you on hold. Let me go up here and see what you guys have been saying. Um, how many people live in Oklahoma? Don't they have a PFD? No, nobody has a PFD but us. It's all private ownership of mineral rights in Oklahoma. We're the only state that has that. Why child care? Moms can't stay home for five years and then let kids, let child care be taken care of by the government schools? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's that five-year window. Nobody wants to. Everybody's expected to go to work. Nobody, you know, you're almost looked down upon if you decide to stay at home. And what happened to the friends, the neighbors, the community, the, the neighborhood person that watches two or three kids? What happened to that? Well, because they can't get a subsidy if they're not a – they can't get reimbursement if they're not a government, government certified. They can't do – it's, you know – I just, yeah. Jeannie says, I know so many parents who have stayed at homes at, at, at homes, moms. It's doable. Yes, it's doable. I've done it for 33 years, 33 years. My wife and I have done that. It, it's, it's very doable. Is it always pleasant? No, but it's doable. Um, this is a very unhealthy, this is very unhealthy for society. Dependence is an unhealthy condition. Well, I would agree with that. Um, uh, yeah. Would the Bastiac, Bastiac quote about the great fiction of the state be? Yeah, I think it would be. All right. Um, we got I, We got to go. Chris Story is our guest. Let's do this thing, shall we? The Michael Luke Show. Common Sense Radio. Here we go.
Okay, let's do this thing. What is this thing? I don't know. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? Uh, Chris Story is the man from uh, Homer. He comes on every week to share with us his wit, his witticism, his intelligence, his intellect. Thanks for coming in. That was it. That was the whole show. Uh, and, of course, his uplift, his betterment. He is our PSA. He's our PSA. Pos- he's a public service announcement. He is our PMA guru, the uh, the guru of positivity, the baron of betterment. He comes on to share with us today. It's a plan that is guaranteed to succeed. Mr. Story. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Michael. I'm on top of the world. Can't complain to you. No, you can't because I don't listen anyway, so it doesn't matter. What uh, what you got a plan. You've got a plan and you're gonna work the plan, but you're gonna share the plan as you work the plan so that we can have the same guaranteed success that you're talking about. That's your whole deal. Sounds too good to be true. I know that you said it's only a low, low one-time price of $99.95. What do we got here today, my friend? Give it to me. A guaranteed success plan that will never fail. W. Clement Stone said that there there is such a thing, and I believed him. And I've studied his plan. I've studied many others. And um, I came up with my own. And so it's simple. It's just a handful of words. It can be contained in one sentence. And I'm going to give you that sentence, and okay. then we can spend the rest of uh, the segment talking about it. So, the, okay, the wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. People got to get their pens out. They want to write down this one <laughs> sentence. I want them to write down this one sentence and dissect it and think about it. So, give just I'm just I'm pausing for just a second before you read the sentence, so that the people can have this and they can pontificate on it. All right, my friend, the one sentence that says it all. Give it to me. And if it's where's it's the beef, and if it's where's the beef, yeah. we've got a problem. All right, so go ahead. We got a couple of problems. It's funny though, just reflecting on what you just said because I absent your program for a week. I forgot what a control freak you are. Yes, <laughs> yes, I have. It just like it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like you literally are a control freak. Okay, here you go. Guaranteed success plan that will not fail. All right, if you use it, if you work it, here it is. Ready. Give, give one hundred percent. And you'll get more than you get. So it's a math problem, and it's an improbability according to math, but I'm guaranteeing it, and it will work. If you give 100%, you will get more than you give. And I can prove it. You can prove it. All right. Okay. So give. Give more than 100%, and you will get more than you give. That's the whole – it's not yeah. – that, that's my – Just give 100%. Just give Just 100%. 100%. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I heard it quote – from Gary Keller, who started the world's largest real estate firm that can go unnamed here. Uh, this isn't the promotion for them. This is just a quote from him because he's a he's a really a deep thinker from Austin, Texas. And he said two questions. He said, are you looking for a great year or are you looking for a great career? And that got me thinking pretty deeply, like, wait a minute, that's, that's a really great point because so many people enter my line of work, enter the industry of real estate looking for a great year versus a great career because the, the barrier of entry is quite low, but the bar to success is very high. And I think that gets confused and conflated in people's minds. They don't recognize what it actually takes to succeed at this business that doesn't take much to enter. And when you think about health, you know, it, it, you meet somebody who might be wanting to lose weight, but then you say, wait a minute, do you want to lose weight or do you want to be healthy? Are you looking to be famous and an influencer or are you looking 
to make a difference, even in just one person's life. And you could ask it about other relationships, like with your wife. Are you are you trying to keep your wife from being upset, or are you looking to have a loving relationship that will last a lifetime? So, are you looking for a great year? Or are you looking for a great career? If you're looking for a great career, show up, be present, give one hundred percent, and as guaranteed, you'll get more than you've given. You will receive more than you could possibly imagine if you literally will show up with 100% of you every single day, barring some, you know, obviously some health crisis or something, but even there, you need to show up 100% in your own self-care. We were, as you know, as you darn well know, after last week's debacle, I was in Seward all last week. And my family and I went into a restaurant twice. And uh, on two different occasions, we went in for lunch. The first time we went in, we had a waiter who was present. He gave 100%. He was not just available to remember the order, get the order right, deliver it in a timely manner and uh, top off coffee or whatever in a, in a really just a professional manner. He was 100% present and he made our day. Right. And he made that whole experience. The food was okay. You know, anybody can deep fry cod. He was the experience. All right. We went back a couple of days later. We had a waitress who got the orders correct. None of us went without drink none of us went without the right order but she wasn't there she wasn't present and i said to my wife later i said i feel like i feel like she's burned out like she's burnt out in the season like she's and i never do understand people that work 100 days a year and then just get burnt out at day 80 it's like what you can't you can't hang in there for just 20 more days but maybe she never was maybe she was never engaged and there's a huge difference with what she's getting from that job because I can guarantee you, we tipped her less than we did the guy. And, we, you know, even with substandard service like that, I'm still going to get 20%. However, he got more like 35 or 40% tip because he just made the day and the experience. So she's getting less money, I guarantee you. And she's getting less out of the job. If I were looking to recruit somebody, I wouldn't ever look to her, but I would look to him. And so showing up and giving 100%, he got more than he gave. And he will continue to get more than he is giving. That's a 100% guaranteed success plan. She shows up. He is present. And there's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, this is a, that's a good story. I remember when I was in Fairbanks, there was a cashier. I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Uh, there was a cashier at Fred Meyer. Um, older gentleman. Uh, always went in, but I will tell you that every time I went into Fred Meyer, if there was three or four lines open, even if there was lines with less people, I would always go to that guy's line. Why? Because he was always smiling and present and jovial. And it was just a pleasure to be, I mean, it was a gro it's a grocery store checkout line, right? Not, not a fine dining experience, not something like that, but his attitude, his hundred plus percent always made me feel good, always made me happy, always. I would stand in line with more people, and I think other people would too, because it was just that giving, that being present. And yes, it's not a, a sexy job. It's a menial, I guess, type job. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word, but I mean, it's not an exciting job, but he made you feel like you were the center of his attention. He was engaged with you. He loved what he was doing. 
I mean, Dennis, I still remember his name, Dennis. That's probably been 10, 12 years ago. That was the last time I saw him, but he was always that way. You see people like that in various jobs where they're just excited to see you. Maybe they've been doing it for a year. Maybe they've been doing it for 20, but you can see that in people right away. It's like a light inside of them. Yeah, exactly. And I guess a question I would ask is, are you working for the weekend or are you, you contributing today? each day and and you love it even if you don't love maybe it's not something you want to do for the rest of your life or your career and you can see something larger in your future different how you show up today is going to determine where you go tomorrow my dad said something funny over the, um the trip i can't remember exactly what context but I, but he said it doesn't matter where you go if you're not happy here you won't be happy there and we were i can't remember in what context we were discussing but i, I remember writing that down later that evening I was like that's so true that if you're not happy in this job, we will notice it. If you're not happy in this career, we notice it. Nobody's going to come along and interrupt you and go, you know what? <laughs> I see you delivering 80%. Would you come to my company and deliver 80 No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Nobody's going to take that time and pull you out of this or you, right. you're going to feel dejected and rejected and you're like, oh, the society is pushing me down. No, no. You're holding yourself down if you're not delivering 100%. And I guarantee you, if you deliver 100%, you'll get more than you're giving. We have a, a phrase in our company at Story Real Estate that we, it's in, it's our in-house motto, and we don't publish this in the paper or put it on the radio, but this is what we say to each other in-house at all of our meetings is we deliver more in use value to our clients than we accept in cash value. That's our mission. That is our goal. That is the principle by which we live every single day. We're here to deliver more than we get. So we're given 100%, and ultimately, we have sustained through two major uh, financial collapses in the economy, in the world, global right. reversals, if you will, right. because I believe truly that we, we, hold, we hold fast to that tenant, that we deliver more in use value than we accept in cash value. So what's your recommendation to people who, like you said, maybe this waitress who was, you know, was decent. She was adequate. She did the job, but she wasn't present. Maybe she was burned out. Maybe there's people out there who are listening right now who are like, you know, maybe they identify with her. Maybe they're like, well, yeah, but, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years and there's a reason I'm burned out. And, you know, but I'm still doing a good job, still doing the job. And what's your what's your recommendation to people like that to say to I mean, to. Give me some steps. I'm always asking you to break this down, you know, uh, Barney style to like the basic steps of how do we get, you know, how do we do this? So what's your recommendation as the Baron of Betterment for people who are still delivering, but maybe not with a glad heart, maybe not a hundred percent, maybe they're given 99 or 95 and they're there and they do it, but they're not, you know, they're working, they're looking forward to that weekend thing or whatever. What, what's your recommendation? Ask yourself what you're looking for. So if you're looking for a great year, it's my assertion, you've already foreshortened your career. If all you're caring about is this quarter, this year, you see it in major companies that will sell the long-term reward for a short-term benefit in the stock market. Those CEOs do not typically last. Um, there's a great book by Jim Collins called Great by Choice. And he talks about in that he talks about and he has comparison companies and the companies that do better over time are in what he calls a 20 mile march. They're given 100 percent 
to the march they're doing today for 20 miles, and even though the weather might allow them to go 30 or 40 miles today, they know if they don't restrain a little bit and hold back in that march forward that they'll burn out at some point. So it's delivering 100% on that 20-mile march. Uh, Seth Godin's got a brand new book out called The Song of Significance. Well, you don't need to know more than just that title, The Song of Significance. What does that mean? Every human being wants to matter. Every single one of us wants to feel a sense of significance. It's up to you. It is up to you 100%. It's not about who picks you, getting selected, getting chosen by somebody else. It's not about that. It's about choosing you, showing up 100% and making it matter. So there's a, a person I follow called Valerie Geller, and she's a great radio coach, and she's been a mentor of mine for almost 20 years. And she has three three little slogans that can make the difference in anything you do. Tell the truth, make it matter, and never be boring. You don't have to show, even if it's a mundane job, you don't have to be bored with it. Try to do something different with it. Show up differently. Think about it differently. Look for problems. Be the solution. That's 100% guaranteed success. I, you know, I see it. I feel it. We all have down days. We all have days better than others. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my goal is to always in my plus, you know, I, and I guess I have, I have different hats that I wear on the radio. I'm always trying to give more value. I'm always trying to make a difference in the things that I say and things like that. But in my personal interactions, when I meet with people and I, I always try and leave people better than when I found them. And maybe that's just happiness. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's calling them by name. But there's something rewarding about that. There's something um, that I think that we miss. And there are days I have bad days when I'm angry or when I'm upset or I'm worried about things. But there's something not only just in getting back that we give 100%, we get back more than we put in. And I think part of that is the reward of, it's like Dennis, making people feel good about getting groceries or your waiter, making people feel good about a great experience. Sure, it's financially rewarding to him, but I'm sure in some ways he finds that more rewarding to himself in how he feels, in making people feel good. I mean, it's just something about mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you don't you don't need to be selected or anointed or chosen or, like I say, picked by somebody else. It's, it's picking yourself, choosing you, and determining that this is this is the day this is your day you can make a difference right here in my book the backyard millionaire oscar tells a story about having been in a super mundane job super rote mechanical job uh at a factory you know just just doing simple task work mindless mind numbing i think is how i described it and then he meets a guy who does it with a whistle and he does it with a, a flare and he's happy and he's just excited to be alive and have it's so grateful for this opportunity in this job and and uh, spoiler alert you, you come to find out that he had spent a good part of his life in prison and he gets out of prison it, he gets actually freed from prison long before the state let him out in other words he freed his mind and he became aware and present and he wanted to contribute for the rest of his life and i think that's a that's something that i i struggle with myself which is why i wrote about it like there are times that every job and everything can become a little bit rote or task oriented that you have to just stop and say wait a minute let me reorient here how can i show up more how can i be more present today right. than i was yesterday and that will make tomorrow better this the uh, give me the sentence one more time, just so the folks out there who didn't write it down and have been listening to us one more time. Give one hundred percent, and you'll get more than you give. <laughs>
It's a guaranteed success plan. Guaranteed. Yes. What you sow is what you reap, and what you reap, you can reap a hundredfold. That's kind of what it comes down to if you want to get spiritual about it, but it's in anything in life. It can be that way. Chris Story is the man from Homer. He's a realtor. He's a potter. He's an author of a slew of books, including his latest one, which is called The Watchman. Speaking of being positive, I mean dark and gloomy. What a great book. I actually got it. Somebody sent me an email the other day, said that they listened to the book and they were just enthralled um, and that they really loved what you wrote. They really loved uh, how it was, you know, that I narrated it and everything else. But what a great book, my friend. What a good piece. I was just going to say, it's the, it's the delivery for sure, because uh, I've listened to it twice since you completed your version of it. And it's like, it's a different thing. Once I give it to you, it becomes yours and, and you do something different with it. So thank you for that. And I guarantee you, if you loved The Backyard Millionaire and Born to Live, you won't like this. <laughs> That's not true. I you dis- might like yeah, it. I disagree. Don't go, there, don't go there expecting, though, that it's a, a positive uplifting. I did that. See, I sent a manuscript to one guy who had asked for it because I said, hey, I'm looking for some beta readers. And, and he came back with, oh, that's not what I was expecting. I was like, oh, yeah. shoot. So that's a bit of a warning. That's all. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's totally different. If you're looking for the guru of positivity and a betterment shot, then it's Born to Live or it's uh, The Backyard Millionaire. But if you want a good story, uh, well-paced, uh, dark and brooding and dangerous, then uh, you should pick up uh, Making of Man and The Watchmen, which are all available, by the way, right now on uh, Audible, right? You can go take a look and yes. find it there. Or at yes, I yes. Love, I love Alaska.com. Chris Story, my friend, as always, it's good to talk to you, sir. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you for sharing your week with us. We really, I appreciate it. I don't know if anybody else got anything out of it, but I needed to hear your guaranteed success plan for today. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Folks, we got more coming up. Our two finalizes in the next segment. I've opened up the phone lines. If you want to sound off on anything we've talked about today, feel free to call right now. 907-433-3150. We're back with more right after these messages. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Chris's story. Our guest this morning. Here on the Michael Duke show. Um, I think I needed to hear that. I think I needed to hear that today. That was important to me. I need reminders. Uh, It's one of the reasons why, uh, in my opinion, we should continually be, um, you know, we should continually be feeding our mind with positivity and the books that we read and, you know, the people that we associate with. That's what's going to make the difference in five years of who you are today versus who you are. Uh, in five years is the books you read and the people you associate with. And um, I, I, like I said, I think, I think I needed that. I think I needed that today. So special thanks to Chris story for, uh, uh, for giving that to us and, uh, and bringing that in, give a hundred percent and you will get back more than you uh, put in hundred. That's a hundred percent right there. 
100 that's 100% true. Okay. Um let me go back uh and see what you guys have been talking about. Uh does it work for state governments also asking for a friend? You know, I've met people who work in government who are just that way. They are happy, they are given 100%. There are, you know, not Again, I'm not here to vilify the people who work in government. I'm not here to vilify even government itself. Like I said earlier, it's not it's not uh, evil. I mean, the nature of it is to grow. The nature of it is to, um, you know, to expand and fill up all the nooks and crannies and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, the nature of it is not to – it's not evil by nature. And there are plenty of people in government who are <clears throat> just like that, who are the 100 percenters, who love what they do. They see it as a service they or they enjoy the challenge or whatever. And, there, of course, there's people who are not like that as well, just like in any walk of life. And there are people who can get power drunk or believe that they know better than you how to run your – I mean, it, it does happen. But uh, there are people in every walk of life that can live that 100%. And um, I love that. I, I, I really love I needed to hear that today. I, I, guess, I guess that's where I'm at. I just, you know, the, uh, I'm juggling some stuff here between the show and some of the other things that I'm doing and my business and my jobs and the thing. I got, you know, and you're right. Sometimes you don't want it to just be rote. You don't want it to just be working for the weekend. And um, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. That was excellent. And uh, there's a there's a perfect time for everything, right? There's a serendipitous moment for all those things. Sometimes you just have to be in the right place at the right time to hear it. Um, I always get a little something from Chris, but today, a simple, simple concept, but it was... Is exactly what I needed to hear. So I hope somebody else out there feels the same way. I hope somebody else out there got something out of that in uh, what they needed. Okay, final segment for the show today. What do we want to talk about? I don't know. I've thrown the phone lines open, um, so we can talk about uh, we can talk about that. I don't know as I want to talk about this other story here. Oof. Oof. Um I get, maybe we'll maybe we'll just I I don't know. We'll see. I'm feeling good. Feeling good about that. Uh and then Rob just dropped me a what is this? Somebody just dropped me an Ahsoka meme. I'm sorry. Talk amongst yourselves. I have to look at the Ahsoka meme before the haven't even watched a single episode of it yet. I hope this doesn't spoil me. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. They just, it was a mashup between, uh, Princess Bride and Ahsoka. All right. Um, thank you for that, uh, message. I appreciate it. Okay. Where are we at? Mm, 40 seconds out, 40 seconds out, getting ready to do it. Um, I... 
this is the problem with having Chris at the very bottom of the second segment. Maybe we should move Chris to the last segment of the show. Because the thing is, I'm all, you know, usually I'm worked up about something that Brad has going on in hour one. And then I come to Chris and he kind of diffuses the bomb. You know what I mean? He kind of puts the pin back in the grenade and pats me on the back and lends me on. And I'm like, well, now I don't want to, now I don't want to talk about all this. Now I just want to, now I'm. So anyway, it's good stuff. And Greg is sending me rainbow pictures from Homer. Greg. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show. Oh, I lied. But lied. That was the first ring. I'm sorry. I just looked up at the thing and realized that he's. So anyway, Greg, thank you for the picture. Beautiful rainbow from Homer. When I was in Homer last, when I was in Homer for my birthday, I got the double rainbow from like, it was, I got so many pictures, so beautiful, right at the end of the spit, like the pot of gold. It was amazing. All right, here we go. Okay. Well, good morning and welcome back to the program. This is the final segment of the show for today. I will say this first and foremost, the phone lines are now open. If you'd like to sound off, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say at 907-433-3150. Anything we've talked about today is fine. I was just telling the listeners in the chat room, which, by the way, if you'd love to, we'd always love to have more of you join us in the chat room on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitch. I can see them all, but Facebook has probably got the most listeners at any given time. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. I was just telling the listeners that it's always hard. Maybe I should move Chris to the final segment of the show instead of that middle segment of hour two because I'm always hot under the collar after talking to Brad or I'm intrigued or I'm, I'm you know, talking about something. I'm intense. And then I get to Chris and he, like, soothes me and puts me in a positive mindset. And I'm like, and then I got that one final segment where I'm like, oh, I don't want to go back about what I was. I don't want to get ranty again. I just, you know, it, it, so it's always difficult. But I, I, I just I needed to hear what Chris had to say today. It was it was just for me. I hope somebody out there got the same feeling. If you did, you can drop me an email and tell me that you love Chris and you love having Chris on me at MichaelDukeShow.com, or you can call in. But I needed to hear what Chris had to say today, and it was a great, um, it was a great, great segment. All right, well, let's go over to the phones, and we'll just uh, pick up some phone calls because uh, I'm, like I said, now I'm feeling good. I don't want to get too ranty about things, but let's see what you have to say. 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, my name is Mike. I'm calling from Fairbanks. Hello, Mike. What's on your mind? Uh, hello, Mike. What's on your mind this morning? Um, I want to comment on uh, your your uh, issue on uh, government-provided child care. <clears throat> uh, the newsminer here in Fairbanks had an editorial kind of supporting, you know, government-subsidized or provided child care. So having a children is a choice. You don't have to have children. 
And you shouldn't make that choice lightly. Children should be planned, and a plan to provide for them should be had before you have them. So I don't see why the public taxpayers should be paying for and providing child care. It's like encouraging people to have children that they don't uh, can't otherwise support. And that's not a good idea. It's not right for the children. It's not right for the taxpayers. No, Mike, I mean, I, I think you agree. You've hit on that's one of my the... Rant. Yeah, no, I think you've hit on one of the snags of what we're talking about. I mean, it does take a commitment. Uh, you know, either you have to pay for child care or maybe one of you has to stay home to uh, take care of them, especially in those early few years before they go into school. Um, and then you work it around it. There are sacrifices that have to be made. There are things that have to be done. Uh, again, the thing that caught me was the comment in the article talking about the, all these people, all these different people advocating for child care. When Katie Capozzi from the Alaska Chamber said that even a third of families that make more than $100,000 a year struggle with child care. And I'm like, I mean... How? How can, I mean, a hundred thousand bucks a year, if you can't plan well enough, like you said, for this kind of stuff, we have a bigger problem here, right? That's right. Yeah. It's frustrating. I mean, I agree with you. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for calling in and joining us. I appreciate you uh, calling in today. 907-433-3150. I mean, that's some hard, it's some hard words, but it's the truth. Right. I mean, we 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 keep wanting to take personal responsibility away from people. It's like everything that we do has is like, oh, no, no, we they, they shouldn't be held personally liable for that. They shouldn't. It's not them. It's the environment. It's circumstance. It's this. It's that. Um, I mean, we were talking, he just said, you know, the words of you're encouraging people to have, this is the same dependency type situation that we've talked about for things like welfare recipients and paying more money for, uh, you know, the, these broken families or these out of wedlock families where they're having more and more kids and receiving more benefits because they have more kids and you know, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's problematic. If if you're having a child, then you have to be responsible for it. That may mean that there may be sacrifice. There may be changes. I mean, I've, I've advocated for a long time that, especially in the early years, one of you needs to stay home. And I don't care which one. I don't care if it's the man or the woman or the man or the man or the woman or the whatever. doesn't matter to me. In fact, I did a show a few years ago that showed that for most people who are at median income, you would actually, in, in many ways, either break even or save money by not having both spouses working for that period of time based on day. I had no idea up until a few years ago how expensive child care is. I mean, you know, uh, 500 bucks a month is cheap child care. Somebody called in and said that they were paying like $1,100 a month just for child care. And I'm thinking after taxes. After you've paid all that other kind of stuff off and it's pushed you into a new tax bracket and you had to have, you know, extra meals out and extra this and that and the other thing and, you know, nicer clothes or whatever that's going on. I mean, how do you even make any money at that point? You know, why wouldn't it be better for one of you to stay home and, you know, work from home now? That's it. That's an even better. Now that we have this new revolution, why couldn't you Find a job that allows you to work from home, work around your schedule, 
We have so much more opportunity today than we did even three years ago. Again, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is being able to come out and say, voila, here you are. You have an opportunity to stay at home with your kids, whichever one. I want to be real clear here. I got so much hate the last time I did that. This show was 15 years ago. And I, I, in fact, I ran into somebody here about five years ago that had listened to that show and was still mad at me. I'd forgotten I'd done the show and was still mad at me because somehow they thought that I implied that the woman should stay home barefoot and pregnant making sandwiches for me at the, you know, at the deal. That was not my intent. My intent was that one of you should stay home because in the, for most people, it was a break even or even save money kind of situation for that five-year period of, you know, taking care of. Anyway, yes, there are sacrifices involved in raising children. And yes, there are things that we can do, things that we need to do. And yes, the last thing that we should do is look towards government to try and fix that problem. If government wants to fix those things, government should get out of the way. And just like they did during the pandemic with the, with the learning pods or the teacher share things that people created themselves, why not create a, you know, a neighborhood run you know, quasi daycare or a neighborhood babysitting services where you don't go ask the government's permission. Get to know your neighbors and know which ones you'd want to watch your kids. Do part of that instead of going to the government for everything you could possibly that somehow they are going to know better than you who should look after your kids. But I mean, again, that takes effort. And it requires personal responsibility, which seems to be anathema to a lot of what we're being shown and taught today. It's interesting. Mike, thank you for your call. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Mike Shower will be joining us, working on another guest for Hour 1. We will see you then. Thanks for coming in and joining us. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Okay, my friends, thank you for coming in and sharing today with us. As always, I love seeing you, love talking with you, even those I disagree with. Uh, Appreciate you uh, being part of it. Just another great day here in paradise. We will see you tomorrow morning, bright and early at 6.05 a.m. Be here or be square, be there or be, just show up members of the six o'clock club stay ungovernable my friends we will see you tomorrow have a good one
shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show